0: post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Overtime, uh, Scott Jackson with you here, 106.7 The fans streaming live on the free Odyssey app. You can hit us there as well. 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067. You can always tweet me at Jackson Sports. Uh, talking about the Commanders, certainly I've been on a heater, been playing well. Uh, most, of, most of this outside of one game that that bears game has been with Taylor Heineke under center five and one uh, as the starter, he, you know, has been a big difference maker in terms of this team's psyche. I think you have to say, there are things I I say this often, you cannot measure on the PFF formulas, which I think drives a lot of guys crazy about the impact he has on the team. That being said, there are some deficiencies that have, you know, creeped up uh, in particular in the, the Vikings game. And, could have hurt them this week luckily did not but at some point you know in these games that each week the leverage that the you know the the meaning higher leverage games more meaning they're, they're, they're really in a playoff race right now they're going to mean more so with Wentz if he gets healthy will they have that temptation if need be in game or maybe the following week uh if they find themselves you know losing game or two would they make the change back or do you think they need to be ride or die with Heineke at this point, the rest of the way, you know, barring injury, obviously, uh, 806, So the big deal, uh, again, the most infuriating thing about watching Carson with the commanders this year was a couple things in this first six games was the, the drifting into sacks. And, you know, I know that, look, he threw, he throws for like what, 50, they threw for 56 more yards passing. Than they do with Taylor, but they also like threw the ball a hell of a lot more. Uh, and some of those are, are boosted up by a couple of games, But, man, he had 23 sacks in six games. And you can say, oh, the offensive line's better. Now, that's fair. But some of it, again, if you go back and and watch, you know, in particular the – um, the Titans game where he's kind of drifting into it, holding the ball too long, but 23 sacks in six games and over the last six games with Taylor, just nine. Now, granted, I just told you they're running the ball more than most teams in the league and they're actually running it well, uh, which has helped them in winning time of possession. I don't know if they could replicate the formula with Wentz, but I do know that the Colts did something similar or tried to last year with him in, in Indy and had some degree of success, right? Like again, their best games, he didn't do as much. Now you know you go back to the whole like and this is more of an off-season conversation than right now. You're like, well, is he worth that for you know the money you're paying? Of course not. <laughs> you know, I mean, of course not. <laughs> you know, I, I think we're all. I, I think we should all be on the same page of that. I mean, I, I guess is there a world in which he took a tremendous pay cut and you bring him back to compete next year? Okay. We could talk about that, I suppose, in the offseason. But, you know, right now, while you're in the fight, while you're trying to get in, you got to, you know, like you got to, it's a full 53-man roster. If you're active, you know, you got to be ready to play if need be. I'll be curious to see if he's the number two this week or if they stick with uh, Sam Howell um, as the two for a few more weeks. All right. Uh, or, you know, at least to the bye, I should say. All right, 800-636-1067. What I'm also curious about, because we don't know, because the practices, of course, are not open, is how many snaps Sam Howell actually gets, if any, with the first teamers. I mean, you know, do they? Ha- I would hope to think by now they have a package they would feel comfortable with if he had ever gone to a game if something happened to Heineke. But, you know, we won't know until we get to that moment if we do. All right, let's get to Andre and Manassas. Andre, thanks for waiting. How you doing? You're up here on overtime.
0: Hey, Scott, I'm doing well. You know, it's funny, I've been waiting 30 years for this team to win, and then they finally start winning, and people are arguing about how, they, how they're winning. It, I, I guess it's that's why they call us fans. Um you know, to me, at the end of the day, you know, I think I, all I do is I listen to 106.7 The Fan. I'm not on Twitter, so sometimes I hear all this controversy and I'm really wondering where it's coming from. It can very well be a Twitter thing. I'm just
2: not on it, so I don't see it. But Well, I mean, I, I think know, if you listen... It, it just kind of like the way Ron Rivera tabled it from day one wasn't like this was some proclamation like we're doing this for the season. It was like, yeah, this is week to week, you know, you know, he's he's our guy this, you know, going forward and, you know, it, but he wasn't like, yeah, he's definitely the quarterback for the rest of the year. It was never that, you know what I mean? And now, obviously, here's here are you guys available once again uh, or could be available because, again, I don't know if they're going to promote him this week or not. Uh, I, I do think you can see some, you know, a little bit of leakage in some of the things they're doing. I mean, it's, it's cool that they keep winning this way. If they can keep doing it again, there's no conversation. But I, I'm just, you know, again, thinking ahead here, uh, and I'm sure they have thought about this as well. I don't think this is something that just came up out of, you know, that nobody else has thought about over there that gets paid big bucks. I think Ron would be deliberate of his duty if he if he did actually
0: come out and say Taylor's my Taylor's my guy after watching. I I mean, there's no doubt about it. Taylor has you know there are definitely some holes in his game. You know, it's funny. I I think it was Jonathan Allen that said this when I was listening to Mm -hmm. his his, when the Junkies. I think he said he doesn't want the word potential and him and the defensive line to be in the same sentence because ultimately that means he's not doing his job. Sure, they're not. You know, know, (laughs) no. So for me, as a fan, I would much rather have the. Overachiever at quarterback than the yeah. underachiever, the guy who has not reached his but made reach his potential being in the league after six years, and I think that's why you know maybe some of the the, the teammates gravitate to Heineke. Yeah. Is there an option? You know, can he can the team perhaps do better? If Wentz was in probably, but then. That's potential, and yeah. who, who's to say? Are they going to continue running the ball as they did? You know, the temptation can a twenty-five million-dollar quarterback come and say, "Okay, I'm going to be a game manager now." Is,
2: is that well again? His DNA? That's what they tried to do with him last year in, in Indy, and it worked for a little bit, but then obviously, when they needed those W's, it, it didn't work at all. But no, I mean, I look, I, I wouldn't do it. I, I'm I'm just saying to you, I, I would. You know, is it just? But at some point, if it's if they struggle right to the point where they're in games where they just, you know, teams take away the run from them, for example, if teams are able to shut down the run. I mean, do you have a whole lot of confidence? I mean, there might come a moment, whether it's in-game or the following week, if you need a game and you're like, this this has been sputtering the last few weeks. they just gotta, they got to show some improvement big picture in my mind, you know, get the Giants again this week. I mean, they've had some favorable matchups teams to throw on, and they haven't done it for a couple weeks. It concerns me. I mean, the Eagles game, they threw it well enough. I was like, okay, cool. You know, that's fine. But like the last few weeks, it I does concern me a little bit, and I go back to that Vikings game where that was a terrible secondary. And then I saw Mac Jones light them up, and I'm like, oh, dear Lord. And the, and the Patriots do not have guys in the outside like the commanders do. I mean, they don't. They, they don't have those kind of skill players. And that that's why. Those guys are getting, you know, they're kind of getting cobwebs here these last few weeks. But anyway, all right, man. Thanks for the call, Andre. Uh, let's go. I mean, look. I hope they don't have to worry about it. I like to see them keep winning. I, I'm not. I'm not again bitching about the style points. I'm just saying there are there are some signs here that uh, you know there could be some trouble ahead if they don't improve it with the forward pass. That's all. all Hi, right, John Rockville. What's happening?
3: You know, uh, I agree with the guy that just called. I, I I hope Carson Wentz doesn't play another down this year. Right and. What I think is, I think if instead of everybody criticizing this kid, Heineke, I think if he got a little bit of backing from the guys on radio, I think he, he must hear everybody's always ragging on him. I think if they just get behind the guy, he's doing a good job, and just let's see where we go. I think I think he's doing a great job, but he just needs – I think the guys on the radio are always ragging on him, and I, I personally don't like it. I think the guy's doing a great job. So okay.
2: Well, that's fair. Hey, look, I went to my school. I love the kid. I think, I think it's great. But it, you can't be – got to be blind if you haven't watched the last few games and said, "Geez, I mean, is that a, is that a good decision? Is that a good decision? I mean, there's been a lot of that, right, Joe? I mean, first of all, this guy's thrived on being the underdog. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Everybody's going to throw rose petals at him suddenly. I don't think that's going to help him. He's thrived on being the underdog. And I, and I hope to God he's not listening to radio or, or on the interwebs. I mean, get off Twitter. Didn't anybody hear John Allen's interview a few weeks ago? Get off Twitter. I'm with him. Get off of it. I'd love to do that. I wish I could unplug it forever. A <laughs> little encouragement for this guy would go a long way. I don't think so. Thanks. For Thank so. you. Thank you. I mean, we're not, you know, again, he's got, you know what? He's got a college coach that's there for him. I know that for fact. He's got teammates that are there for him. I don't really think it makes a damn bit of difference what a bunch of people on the radio are talking about. I really don't. I'm sorry. I don't take my, I don't take this format that seriously. <laughs> I really don't. I don't believe it. And again, nobody's saying take him off the field right now. I'm, I'm saying, would you be, are you ride or die? And declare you are, and Andre are, and that's fine. But there could become a moment where you might have to see Wentz again. Could be. I'm not, I'm not excited about it either. Just saying, you you know, you, you got to be all hands on deck. You cannot close your mind to like, no, we're just doing it this way or else. Because you're trying to get in. And Rivera's, look, he's trying to get in the playoffs. He wants to get in. He's close. He can taste it. He's feeling good about himself, and he should. They've stuck with him. They've stuck with him. But they didn't go into the season thinking this is the way they were going to get there. If they did, then you really got to question some of the moves they made, right? Like, then why'd you even bother bringing Carson Wentz in, you know? You should have gone... You know, more of a, a more of a safety kind of quarterback, and just let Taylor battle for it. They didn't think Taylor could do it. Obviously, they never gave him a chance to battle for it. Uh, Reggie and Reston, go ahead. Hi, thanks for
3: the call. Um, I, I think I'm I'm pretty much on the same route in terms of the caller Andre. Um, two things that stick mm-hmm. out for me when it comes to Heineken. Number one is the psyche. What it's done to the the teammates, to right. the locker room, it's totally different. And then the other thing that sticks out for me is momentum. You can't look at the stats and find anything with momentum. The momentum that Heineken has given this team is incredible and I think they just have to run with him for now mm-hmm. we got we've, we've got Carson if we need him if we need right. him roll with
2: him but that's if, the I, point I feel right.
3: like I, yeah, I think it's a good point but but Heineke's doing the job he's getting a w, so who cares how ugly it looks. It's a w
2: no again, I'm not a style point person, but but what I'm telling you is there's gonna come a point in time where they're gonna have to actually put the ball in the air a little bit more. And, you know, hopefully he can do it. Hope he can deliver. I mean, look, a few years ago, you know, think about that Tampa game, right? Like his first, the first real taste in, in, the, in the Carolina but before that, a lesser degree. I mean, he was winging around. You know, I mean, and they were throwing the football and they were less talent around him than there was now. And, you know, it's funny because some of the, 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 you know, the spin last year when, when he was kind of struggling at the end of the season was, well, they don't have enough talent and skill guys around him. we well, got plenty of skill people. They got more skill people than he's ever had in his life around him now uh, between, you know, the backs, between the tight ends, between the receivers. But it hasn't taken a step forward. And I, and I I think we're just, you know, we're blinded by the result, which is awesome. But you, you got to be fair and say, hey, is he taking a step forward as a passer this year? And no, he has not. And I, again, love the kid. think it's a great story. I love the story. I'm not saying bench him. But what I'm telling you is I haven't seen the improvement there, even though they have the pieces. And that's what concerns me. Uh, moving forward here. And again, this week may not matter. I mean, Giants are kind of beat up, um, you know, looking at their their stuff this week, their secondary, you know, season rankings, I think, you know, not great. You know, they're actually a team you can run on. Um, You know, you can move the ball, you know, on the air, in the air on them as well. More so of a running team you can run on, which is great. I mean, because that plays right in this team's strength. I just hope we can get Daniel Jones uh, under under, uh, wraps because that's been a problem in the past. But, you know, I don't know if you can go out to San Francisco and think you're going to bludgeon them, for example, on Christmas Eve. Hopefully be cool if you could, but there's, and that's the kind of team. Eventually you're going to run up against in the postseason. but the, the NFC is not that scary. Yeah. What's that?
3: My question though, Garoppolo hmm. went all the way to the Super Bowl. Hmm. Did he improve his passing
2: game? <sighs> nah, I, he's gone backwards, actually, but they didn't get the Super Bowl since then, have they? I mean, but they got to the championship game last season, but he's much better than Taylor. Let's be real. I mean, come on. Let's be honest with ourselves. Seriously. we're, del- we're He's oh, better. Great. Yeah, he's better. I mean, come on. I mean, he would have been, he, let's be honest, if he didn't get surgery, he'd be here right now, probably. Or he would have been their first, he would have been the guy they were gunning for. I mean, had he not had <laughs> a surgery, this this team would have gone after him. And by the way. Maybe they would all, next offseason. Who knows? I mean, I heard you know Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I think Taylor reminds me a lot of. Although I think Ryan had a better arm, obviously. Um, say this, and he goes, you know, they're going to find some a, a reason to go look for somebody else this off season. Plus, by the way, Taylor's a free agent; he doesn't have to be here. Although I think he would probably prefer to be, but you know, who knows? Maybe he'll have options. We'll see. All right, thanks for the call, Reggie. Thanks for good talking to you. Thanks for being reasonable. I mean, again, it's you know people get very touchy about the. <laughs> questioning the underdog story i mean it but and again love the story but what i'm saying is if you think that this is i mean which direction are they trending in terms of an offense Are they trending up or down in terms of throwing the football i mean they're, they're trending down obviously um at some point they're gonna have to do that at some point i hope he's ready to deliver I, again i thought last year there was a stretch where he was really good and then he kind of dipped and then he jumped back up again. And then at the end of the year, I mean, they had like team was, you know, falling to pieces due to injury and whatnot. Um, and COVID, if you remember, all right, chase Hughes at seven thirty. uh, the top 25 college football playoff rankings are out right now. And boy, if you're a if you're a Michigan fan, you pray to God this is the way it stays. <laughs> we'll get to that coming up. Uh, it is overtime, Scott Jackson, with you here on 106.7 The Fan, and streaming live on the Free Odyssey app. All right, back here on uh, overtime, Scott Jackson, with you here on 106.7 The Fan, streaming live, always on the Free Odyssey app. All right, college football today, the, or tonight, excuse me, the uh, bowl standings came out again. The latest playoff standings were unveiled prior to championship weekend. Um, you know, no, number one, Georgia, obviously. They will uh, play LSU this week. I, I actually do not think there is a formula in which Georgia will not be in the playoff, uh, even if they were to lose in their championship game. Just Just can't see it as strong as they've been at 12-0 this, this season. Um, Michigan is now number two, uh, followed by TCU, and then USC, who has jumped into the top four, making an appearance if the Buckeyes lost and LSU lost. Now, here's the goofy thing. Ohio State dropped the five. I mean, when you get your butt kicked as bad as they did on your home field, I mean, it, it should be a lot bigger punishment. I'm sorry. Uh, Alabama's right behind them so it would take a lot for alabama to get in this thing I know a lot of people are scared you know that they're gonna they're gonna rise back up and get in there real damn tide but uh it appears that would be a huge chaos day for that to happen i, I just don't see how georgia could fall out Maybe i remember wrong i mean lsu's lost three games i guess. i mean to fall that far would seem extreme uh tcu plays kansas state i know a lot of people have that earmarked as a potential upset um, there, Michigan, I don't think we'll lose to Purdue, but it would be funny if they did. Uh, but so right now as things still stand, it would be, uh, Georgia and USC playing in round one and, um, Michigan playing TCU, which is a much better matchup than they had last year when they had to play Georgia and they got flat out humiliated down there in the orange bowl. So that seems to be, you know, again, I, I guess there is, there is a world in which, you know, Ohio State could weasel their way in this thing if TCU were to lose because uh, they're the next team out at this point. So if one of these teams goes down this weekend, that could happen. Now here's the other question. Like what if, since Michigan is a is a clear number two right now, what if they lose to Purdue somehow? Would they fall just a four? I mean, you can't put Ohio State in over them. Maybe we saw the humiliating, you know, head-to-head. I almost feel like Michigan, the worst they could do would be a four, and then, you know, their punishment would be most likely to play in a 13 or no at Georgia again assuming george is undefeated but hey there's a world all three the all four of these teams could lose this weekend maybe it's bizarre world but it's a world i mean they're all playing because usc plays friday night against utah the team that beat them the only loss they suffered this year um but this game obviously is on a neutral field and that was a 43 42 game way back in october it was a long time ago. But USC, I mean, their defense is not anything to write home about but their offense with Caleb Williams. Obviously, the uh, Gonzaga product is, is terrific. I mean, he should win the Heisman. Don't see how he doesn't win the Heisman, but anyway. mostly there's that old East Coast bias thing going. Who knows? All right, we're going to take a timeout. Chase Hughes is going to join us on the other side. We're going to get into some Wizards. We'll get back to some uh, Commander's discussion later. I'll say this, man. People love Taylor Heineken. That's cool. And, I, again, I do, uh, you know, it's almost like, when you when you just open this can of worms, people get so angry they don't want to hear the def- deficiencies. This was ah no 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 no, no. It, they won, they won, and that's fine. But again, we could get to a point in this season where it's more than just what you did in the past. You're going to need one, and you might you know and if and if he's not if he's not hitting open receivers, they might have to make a difficult decision during the game. Ron Rivera already talked about how he for years thought about the the idea of, you know, basically sticking with the hot hand, which he did. I'm sure he's also played out this other scenario in his mind as well. Or if he hasn't, he probably should. All right. Chase Hughes next. Washington Wizards insider for NBC Sports Washington. We'll get the Rui update. Talk about the uh, unicorn and good season for the big three. But what is the ceiling for the big three? Uh, of the Wizards. We'll get to that coming up with Chase, get his thoughts on it and what they may or may not be able to do prior to the deadline to improve this team. Uh, it's overtime. Scott Jackson, 106.7 The Fan, streaming live in the Free Odyssey app. Back here on Overtime, Scott Jackson with you, 106.7 The Fan, and our pleasure right now to talk some Wizards with Chase Hughes from NBC Sports Washington via the BetQL guest hotline. Bet smarter, be the books. Download the BetQL app today. Chase, good evening. How are you, sir?
1: Good good evening. Um, My uh, favorite football team has won six out of their last seven games, so I'm doing great. (laughs)
2: Let me ask you this because we were talking about it earlier, and people get very touchy (laughs) when you bring this up. Bart, do you ride or die no matter what? You're riding Heineken all the way to the finish line, or are you also maybe, or are you like, in the the back of your mind, uh, willing to maybe have to make a difficult decision if need be before the year's over?
1: Oh, I mean, to the finish line, that's a tough question, but I'm not looking back. I mean, he's won yes, uh, five right. out of his last six starts. If you go Correct. back to last year, it's um, I think it's nine of 13 that right. he's won. Or I mean, I don't know how you overlooked that. Obviously, you know, when he goes out and throws for like 150 yards and they win, yep. you don't feel like it's because of him. But I, I wouldn't rock the boat.
2: I keep it rolling. All right. Well, I'm just saying if you lost a game or two, you know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, boy, we're running out of time here. What do we do? What do we do? You know, if you get to that crossroads moment, you know what I'm saying? Or in a game where you're down.
1: Yeah, two in a row. I would, I, you know, you'd have to start thinking in those yep. terms. But yep. one loss, I think he's earned the right to, to at least uh, have one of
2: those. I got you. All right, now I'm fair. That's fair. I, I, look, I, I, you know, months ago before we got here, I was like, I, you can't play Carson. Wentz seventy percent of the snaps.
3: Well, <laughs> you
2: can't do it. Now we don't have to worry about that. I don't think they've had so nope. many snaps. I think it's mathematically out out of the win out the window now. But
1: no, that's a great point.
2: <laughs> All right, let's get to. Uh, Let's get to the Wizards. All right, Christoph Sporzingis, the unicorn, a career night. 41 last night as the uh, Wizards uh, beat the uh, T-Wolves at home, which... Uh, you know, has been been the good place. And we'll talk about the other place where I'm away from home here in a minute because that's really going to be for, for a big stretch uh, coming up. But uh, it's been good to see him on the court, right? I mean, this has always been really – it's always Christoph Porzingis is fine if he's available. And that's been, you know, kind of an important thing because he hasn't always been available. But, you know, since he's been here and when he has been available, I mean, he has been as good as advertised or as good as they hoped, hasn't he?
1: I mean, he's been really, really good. Uh, he's only missed one game this year out of 21, and that was against the Dallas Mavericks where he had a groin injury that uh, we didn't hear about until after uh, their practice the day before. And, you know, it was against his former team, so there were some conspiracy theories that maybe he didn't want to <laughs> face his former team. But other than that minor blip, uh, he's been healthy, and when he's on the court, he's a really good player. And, you know, I did this story in the off season, uh, looking at like, okay, just set aside the durability concerns. Like how good is he statistically? And if you look at his career numbers, um, he's one of only 10 players in NBA history to average at least 17 points, eight rebounds and one and a half blocks per game for their careers. And the other nine guys are like uh, Kareem, Shaq, Hakeem Olajuwon. I mean, it's a who's who of all time greats. So he's that type of player. And of all those, 10, all the, the 10 players that have, have averaged those numbers, he's got the highest three-point percentage. So, um, obviously, th- there's a lot more than just the numbers that he's put up. He's got to stay on the court for you know, more than 50, 55 games a year, which is pretty much what he averages. But when he's out there, he's ba- he can get to a level that's basically unstoppable where he can score 15, 20 points in a quarter or last night 29 points in a first half. And that's why I've said that I think he's the best scorer that Bradley Beal has ever played with because Beal has played with some really good players, some really good offensive players like John Wall and Russell Westbrook who could lead the league in assists, but neither of those guys could score in the volume and with the efficiency that Porzingis can. And the fact that he's a center and all the other stars that that Bradley Beal has played with before have been guards, so, so they were in the same area of the court, i think gives the wizards more balance to their lineup so you're seeing right now i mean he's just he's an all-star caliber player when he's
2: healthy yeah no doubt um and that of course brings to the question i mean he's going to have the opt-out at the end of the season i mean do you think they're ready to pay him like that kind of player
1: Well, if he keeps it up and stays healthy, then um, I would expect him to opt out and be able to earn a a long-term contract, whether it's here or elsewhere. Um, You know, I think it all depends on where they end up in the standings. Um, Whenever there's a question about like, will the Wizards keep this guy? You know, whether it's Kristaps Porzingis or Kyle Kuzma. Right. I would just point to the fact that like, say what you want about their success in the standings over the years. They've been really, really good at keeping the players that they want to keep. Like, th- that's been the case for Bradley Beal, uh, you know, who has gone against the, the grain of what a lot of NBA other, other NBA stars have done that pertains to John Wall and also other players like Otto Porter and uh, Davis Bertans. Whenever they have, have uh, put their sights on keeping a player, they tend to do that. So, you know, if they want to try to keep both Porzingis and Kuzma, then that could get really expensive. But if they choose one of those guys and really want to keep them, then I wouldn't bet against them given their track record.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the rub is we're here with Chase Hughes, uh, NBC Sports Washington uh, with us via the Becky Well Guest Hotline. You know, both those guys are in really good seasons, right? Kuzma and, and Porzingis – you know, but like, but how, what is it going to mean for the Wizards? Because right now, you know, they're not in the top four even. So, you know, and, and obviously we got a lot of, we're only quarter way through the season. Um, you know, they're the seventh seed as, as we sit here today. So if that doesn't get you more than like the bottom part of the East or even in the middle, I mean, I, you know, you just wonder if they're going to feel like they could use that money elsewhere and, and make the team better as opposed to, you know, re-signing those guys.
1: Well, first of all, those guys have been really good, and so is Bradley Beal. I mean, all three of them are averaging 20-plus points per game this year, which has never happened in franchise history where three players averaged 20 or more. And all of them are shooting efficiently, and they're all bringing something else to the table. You know, uh, Kuzma and Porzingis are rebounding. Porzingis is blocking shots. Beal's averaging about six assists. So statistically, all three of those guys, it's basically been a best-case scenario. And – you know, there's been some context uh, that needs to be pointed out. Like Beal's turnovers have been an issue. is not shooting all that well from three. And of course, you know, Beal has missed some time due to injury and due to COVID. But if they can carry those numbers over the course of a full season, I think you just kind of have to trust the process and, and think that they're going to be pretty good. Like if those guys are on the court and they're all averaging 20 points a game efficiently, the wizards are probably going to be pretty good. Now what's, been missing so far um, I think has definitely been the depth that they thought they were going to have going into this year their bench has not performed up to what they thought it would be the starting lineup has been very good overall but the bench um, has has really lagged behind and I think in part that that's because of injuries like DeLon Wright was supposed to be a really important part of their yeah. bench and also Whenever there's been an injury in the starting lineups, you know, Bradley Beal or Monte Morris, then there's a domino effect there where they've got to promote somebody, and that, that, that takes their, their depth away from their bench. But Will Barton's a guy who I think could, could play a lot better than he has so far. So we'll have to see over time if the Wizards can, 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 have, can build a good bench, you know, when Rui Hachimura comes back and maybe Will Barton can play to his career norms. And, and play defense, and I think that'll determine whether they win. But if you're just looking at those three guys, then I, I do think it's a, a pretty good foundation that they've got moving
2: forward. Uh, we're talking with uh, Chase Hughes here at NBC Sports Washington with us here on uh, Overtime 106.7. The fans, Scott Jackson with you. Chase joins us via the BeckQl guest hotline. All right, so the – the, the defense apart. Um, man, they talk a lot about defense, and that's no different than a lot of seasons. But then you, you get some of these performances, whether it's the game of Boston um you know the you know other you know the thunder game uh, and you're just scratching your head going what the heck's going on here because uh, you know they want to play defense you know the coach talks about it you know the guy, you know they they have people that put a lot of effort into it what what has it been is it as simple as yeah guys in and out of the lineup uh, i mean how do you see it and how do they see uh the the way they can improve in that area
1: Well, there has been sort of a dichotomy to their defense where their paint defense has been very good this year. And I think Porzingis deserves a lot of credit for that. And Kuzma, you know, deserves credit for that. And and I think Daniel Gafford, even though his minutes have fluctuated, he's been pretty good in the backup role um, defending the rim they have not been good at defending the three-point line. So I think that's been an issue for them. Um, it's it's kind of like last year. They were pretty good at defending the three-point line, but they couldn't really defend the rim, and they gave up too many points in the mid-range. So they just haven't been able to put it all together. Um, but that's that's where I would point to is the three-point line. And, and you know, Monte Morris and Bradley Beal, you could probably look at them first when it comes to that because they are generally on the perimeter mm-hmm. um, defending these guards. But – um, I do think Bradley Beals had a pretty good season defensively. He's, he's drawn a lot of praise from Wes Unsel Jr., so I think just collectively they need to be better uh, at defending threes. But, um, yeah, certainly some of the, the defensive performances have been great, and then some nights they just have a bad matchup, um, you know whether it be the Celtics with their athleticism and their three-point shooting or, you know, the the game before that against the Miami Heat where Bam Adebayo, as good as Porzingis has been defensively this year, he just he just could not stay in front of Bam right. Adebayo. And, and their pick and roll with him and Kyle Lowry was basically unstoppable. So I think what you would hope for from the Wizards is that, you know, these highs, highs and, and low lows just mean that overall they're going to come out to be at least a pretty average defense and that the rough nights that they're having aren't more indicative of what they actually are.
2: Yeah, and you know, you look at um, their, their differential between home versus road's been fascinating, right? I mean, this is uh, is you know whether shooting whether it's a shooting. I think you pointed this out the other day in one of your stories. Was their three point shooting is really poor? Uh, you know, at is it at home? Have I got that? No, it's on the road. I'm sorry. On the road, yeah. On the road is is really poor versus at home, which I guess you know, okay, home court advantage, but still, it's weird a weird swing. <laughs> so as they, and I think, what is it, 13 or no, 17 of the next 23 or something like that on the road? Is that what
1: well, at this point, it's fourteen of the next nineteen, but they're in the middle of a stretch where it's okay. seventeen of twenty-three on the road. Gotcha. They just played a few on the road, but yeah, th- those numbers are uh, pretty interesting when I looked at them because I asked a bunch of players last night, West Huntsville Junior. Like, uh, you guys are eight and four at home. You're three and six on the road. You're about to play a bunch of games on the road. Uh, how do you find more success a- away from DC? And, and they all kind of said it was a mindset thing, but also pointed to the defense. But if you look at the numbers it's really been their offense because pretty amazingly they're allowing the exact same number of points at home and on the road, but they're scoring fewer points because they're shooting a much lower percentage and, and making uh, a, a lot fewer threes. They're actually dead last on the road in both three point percentage and three pointers made when at home, they're like sixth and seventh in those categories. So it, it ends up being a pretty big difference in terms of points. It's like five threes a game, which is like 15 points, right? Yeah, it's yeah. a lot, yeah. So, um, it, it sounds a little reductive, you know, and especially in this day and age where, yeah, we all know the three-point shot is important. It's like teams live and die by the three. But yeah. in this case, I don't know how you ignore that, that it's, it's pretty clear that when they're on the road, they only make like eight threes a game, which is a very low number. And when they're at home, they make like 13, 14 trees, which is a pretty high number. And if you make that many, uh, you're going to be a good team. If you look at you know the win percentage of teams
2: uh, that make that many, uh, you know, in a given game. All right, we're here with Chase Hughes, uh, NBC Sports Washington uh, Wizards insider. All right, before we let you go, just your your thoughts quarter of the way through. We're 21 games in. Uh, where what is the high watermark for this team uh, in terms of the Eastern Conference? And I mean, I think they're a playoff team. I don't think that's too bold of a statement, but I mean, but how good of a seed do you think this team could play themselves into? Yeah,
1: you know, I think it's, it's I, my expectations are similar to what they were going in that uh, they could probably be in that six to eight range um, as currently constituted. And we've seen, you know, when Porzingis is healthy, they're a pretty difficult team to stop offensively, but their defense leads to some inconsistency. Um, the depth has been a little bit uh, of a, a surprise to me, but. Um, I think that six to eight range is, is where I'd have them right now. I think they can make the playoffs. Now I would point out that they'll have an opportunity at the trade deadline to level up from there, and yeah. we've seen Tommy Shepherd do that in the past. You know, I, I thought he did a, a good job last year at the trade deadline by getting Kristaps Porzingis for Davis Bertans and Spencer Dinwiddie, and I thought he did a good job at the trade deadline before that when he got Daniel Gafford, and he obviously made a huge difference. So I think if you're in that six to eight range and you get to the trade deadline. Um, that, that's a situation that you'll take if you're the Wizards because you have an opportunity to improve whether it's then and there or right. in the offseason, and that would represent still a pretty big step forward from last year, and I think they're just trying to make progress in the right direction, and, and so far it looks like they are doing that.
2: Yeah, that would be, you know, like I guess Barton would be an obvious guy, right? Like he would have some value because of where his contract is in terms of the open market. I mean, because you're not going to mess with the the front line guys. You're talking about bench players or maybe one of these young players, you know, whether it's uh, Rui or Denny or or, I don't know about Kispert. But I mean, that's what you're thinking of, like when you're talking about making a move at the trade deadline.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rui is on a, in a contract year. Will Barton's in a contract year. Right now, it doesn't look like, you know, the greatest situation for Will Barton. But also, sure. if you think you're going to make the playoffs, then you should feel pretty confident that that first-round pick he traded for Russell Westbrook with John Wall will convey, because it's top yeah. 14 protected. So if you feel like that's going to be going out the window, and then, you know, that makes you feel a little bit better about parting with a future first-round pick, uh, you know, maybe that could enter their thinking.
2: Good point. All right, hey Chase, man, enjoy it up there. I know you got the game tomorrow night in Brooklyn, right? Are you on the road? Um,
1: uh, yes, I'll be up there.
2: Nice. All right, buddy. Hey, appreciate your time, man. Um, have a good one. Thank, good talking to you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, man. Anytime. All right, there he is, Chase Hughes, NBC Sports Washington via the UL Guest Hotline. Yeah, I mean the, the Wizards—they've had these weird swings. Like he was just talking about home versus road, but they, some nights they look brilliant. And you feel really good, and they I like, just "Crap!" But I will say this: I mean, the defensive thing's weird because it is a three-point issue, like three-point line defending the three for sure, right? I mean, that has been the biggest problem for them. Because a lot of the other measurements in terms of defense, they have taken a pretty good step. Um, but man, they—you know—I <laughs> mean, and if you don't, you feel silly because you're talking so much about it uh, over these last couple seasons. If you don't get better there, but. I don't know. I, you know, six to eight, eh, I don't know. Do you, do you keep a six to eight group together? I don't know. That core, I mean, I, that this is where we get fascinating. And just because, you know, you, you quote, unquote, don't pay these guys doesn't mean you're going to go out and spend that money in free agency. And this has never been uh, a great free agent market, unfortunately. It's a shame. <laughs> I don't know why. I, it kind of drives me crazy. It should be a place where free agents want to play. They should be able to track free agents. But it's really the best stuff they've done has been via trade. Um, You know, and sometimes the draft, but, you know, the draft picks eh, haven't been coming home to roost lately either. Been a while. Been a while. All right. Coming up, we'll get uh, back to um, some uh, NFL stuff before we break at the top of the hour. We're we'll going to Ben Raby at 8. We'll look ahead to the Caps and Canucks tonight, which uh, we'll be bringing you here right on your Home of the Capitals. 106.7 The Fan, 945, the uh, pregame show with Ben, but we'll talk to him at 8 at the top of the hour here on Overtime. Scott Jackson with you. 106.7 The Fan. All right. It's overtime. 106.7 The Fan. Uh, coming up, uh, we'll talk caps with Ben Raby. Top of the hour. Appreciate it again, uh, Chase. He was jumping on with us. Always good talking to Chase about some Wizards. Quarter of a season already. I, You know, man, thanks things move fast <laughs> things are moving fast i mean hockey is almost a quarter of a way as well um no they are they're past the quarter poll. what am i talking about they start before the nba they're 23 games in are the capitals 24 games uh, 24th game tonight obviously capitals have not been real the real picture of health to start this season as we know we'll talk about that would Ben, you know when will help be on the way and uh you know, as things stand right now, they would be way on the outside looking in. So uh, stuff to talk about coming up with our friend Ben Raby. All right, let's get back. Uh, Felipe has been waiting, uh, wait, been waiting, waiting to get on the air. Uh, we're going to grab him before we get to the top air. What's happening, Felipe?
4: Hey, what's up? Thanks for taking my call, Scott. You got it, buddy. No, I just wanted to get back on the Heineke thing. You know, sure. I, I know that you're kind of uh, wondering where the tension's coming from. And the way I see it, there's – there's different camps, you know. There's yep. there's people like you and, and a lot of people at your radio station that are rooting for Heineke, but they think this is all kind of fluky or that he's, you know, uh, not the guy. Then there's another camp that, of people who actually think he's good, but there's a leadership intangible that is just kind of being glossed over by everybody there. Everybody knows we can all somebody who's in Heineke's camp, I can see that he's not very good. It's not even about how he plays football. It's about the impact that he has and the effort that's being given by everybody else. And there's a Mm -hmm. dirty little secret in Ashburn that nobody's talking about and nobody can talk about, and that is that the players are trying harder for Heineke. None of them can admit it. Nobody wants to talk about it (laughs) because that's just uh, something that, I mean, Jonathan Allen wants to say it, but he can't say it. Nobody We'll never hear it. But they are. he's a dirty white boy that they relate to. They like the way he plays, and that's not changing. It will never change. And everybody should just get on board and stop trying to question it. It's not that difficult. They're playing harder for him. It's not a coincidence that the defense is playing better now. It's not a coincidence that the running game, yeah, they started using it, but it's yeah. affecting everybody. Scott Turner likes it too. The trainers, the fans. Have, it's been since the Sean Taylor era, maybe the RG3 year, that we've had this much energy. Everybody just get on board man
2: that's all uh, i
4: got for you thanks for taking but go ahead i'll keep talking no no
2: I, I i think you you're on to a little bit of something there. although i'll say this look I, I think you know brian robinson's healthier now right i mean you, you the and there's other guys that are healthier too i mean trey turner was a shell of himself to start this he shouldn't have started this season he didn't and it was by accident he had to start this season uh he was thrown in there due to injury uh i think they have played better there's still not a you know there's still not a great offensive line but they're better they're, they're definitely better. I loved what Scott Turner did with the three tight ends this weekend. That, w- that was terrific. That was absolutely terrific. Um, yeah, I mean, they just have more relations. And I think the problem I have is I think this always comes off like some, you know, like Philadelphia Carson Wentz story. But it's not. It's just that they just have more history with this guy. Um, you go back to 2020 when, you know, really the quarterback position was hopeless, you know, and I'm not trying to drag people that aren't here anymore, but you know what I'm talking about. It wasn't good. And he came in and gave it life after not even being here more than a week and a half or whatever the hell it was, right, when he has to come into that game. And then, you know, plays terrific in the playoff game. Then literally the next year it's a quarter and a half. He's in there again, you know, looked like, uh, you know, they, they put all their eggs in the, the, the Fitz magic and it never got off the ground. Played very well, had some down weeks, played himself out of it. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I I think there's just history there. I mean, and he knows the locker room. There's no doubt. And are they playing harder for him because of that? Is it the defense stop being stupid because of that? I don't know. I think guys have improved. I think that, you know, look, man, Derek Forrest has been a freaking monster. You know, I mean, Cam Croll already was, but you put Derek Forrest back there. I mean, and quietly, you know, Bobby McCain, who people, you know, kind of crap on all the time, has been really good. I mean, he has been really, really good uh, for them as well. So I like that combo. You know, the 2D tackles have been terrific, one of which is trying to get paid. (laughs) Let's not forget that. Uh, That's been cool as well. Yeah, man, he gives him a spark. There's no doubt. There is no doubt about it. Doesn't mean he can't play better, though. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm asking for. He can play better, right? He can play better. That's all. All right, coming up, Ben Raby. We'll talk caps. They can play better. They're not playing well. Uh, But they got a chance tonight. Our buddy Bruce Bruce Boudreau. I loved Bruce Boudreau when he was here. One of the funniest, fun guys there was to coach the Capitals. Uh, So we'll get to that next with Ben Raby when he joins us here. It is overtime. Scott Jackson with here on 106.7 The Fan, streaming live on the free Odyssey app.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.